0: hello and welcome to the jewishboston.com podcast this is episode eight i'm jen and this is jesse say hello
1: hello everybody
0: we're super excited to be back with you here today and on our show we have two wonderful young women julie judson and Alexis Quartz, on the show um lexi and julie talk about their experience with present tense um the fellowship we run here at cjp so we're very excited to chat with them and here we go
1: to the theme song
0: We're here with Lexi Gwertz and Julie Judson. We're really excited to have both of you ladies on. These two ladies are members of our 2015-2016 Present Tense cohort this year earlier in our podcast. We had talked with Harris Rollinger, the Present Tense coordinator, and now we have some of the fellows. So welcome ladies. Thanks so much. much. So we're gonna get to know a little bit about the two ventures these wonderful women have been working on throughout the year and what they've how does an experience throughout present tense and what it's like to be a young entrepreneur in the city of Boston and what what they're kind of planning for the future.
1: So I think we should start with a little test. And that would be I would like to hear both of your elevator pitches for your, wow. your oh ventures.
2: Have
0: you been practicing? Oh, have we?
2: <laughs> we just went through a, a fun but challenging evening of Basically, like stepping up to like the chopping block and getting uh, ripped apart by <laughs> by very dedicated volunteers. It was so nice of them. Yeah. and then they very
3: gave you hugs afterwards. Um, there weren't some enough. Some of them hugs. did. Some, some <laughs> of them <laughs> they did. The damage <laughs> they
0: so, Julie, do you want to give us your quick elevator pitch?
2: Sure. Um, so, my venture is called Next Generosity, and um, I've been focused on. Engaging millennials in philanthropy throughout that process from start to finish. I got interested in that through my professional work as a fundraiser at a nonprofit performing arts center and also just through my outside activities, both through CJP and also through a council through the mayor's office called the One in Three Council. And I'm just interested in how millennials give and how we give differently than the generations that came before us. So that is. Where the idea came from, and the idea is to present an app at our final showcase that allows millennials to track their giving and their impact throughout the year. Awesome, so th- thank good. you for that. And then, Lexi, do you want to tell us your your little elevator pitch? Sure. Up uh, to the challenge.
0: Yeah.
1: I Lexi am. for short, we can tell our <laughs> podcast listeners that we, we don't have to call her by her full it's first right. year.
3: You can call me Alexis Jordan-Gortz, but podcast listeners, you can refer to me as Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am working on a business that I started about two years ago called Happy Holidays. It's an interfaith greeting card company. That was the genesis of it. I really started it because I am in an interfaith relationship and pretty soon will be marrying that other half of my interfaith relationship. Uh, And I also come from an interfaith home. And perhaps more importantly, I am addicted to sending and receiving cards. Me too. Good. I think it's we need to keep the post office alive. And I felt like I wasn't represented in the aisles at card stores. So rather than resorting to generic snowmen or wintry scenes for another year, a good friend of mine and I developed our own interfaith holiday cards. And I have no business background. Let me just put it out there. I am a humanities person and I'm like old school humanities, like ancient Judaism, ancient Islam. Do not deal mm-hmm. with anything in the modern time, least especially being an entrepreneur or business. I went to a liberal arts college. I don't even know if they teach business classes there. Um, (laughs) But it came out of a passion project for me. So the fellowship has been really helpful for me to give me tools and language that I didn't have before for my Happy Holidays business, which started, as I mentioned, out of a passion project but with very little background in what makes sense business-wise. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I would say that that was my appeal, too. I'm also very much like, let's feel things mm. and talk about them and have no basis for why we should be making a business out of it. And this was why present tense appealed for me as well. To give you some structure and context to how it, to move things definitely. to the next. And level. accountability as well. That's uh, awesome. I think that was good.
3: And community, because I actually think that our cohort has been a huge support in the past 10 months. Some of the best Innovations and pivots that have happened with Happy Holidays have been ideas directly from Julie or Brianne or Ben or Andy, some of our other uh, present tense fellows. I don't know what
2: you're talking about. I haven't enjoyed the cohort at all. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly they don't like each other. I I hate this not even next not even a little bit, but
1: <laughs> you know. Th- there's a lot of anger in this room right now. I, feel so I can feel it. between the two of them. Let me ask you this. So a uh, technical question. How do you spell holidays?
3: C H uh, A L L A D A Y S. So like Hala, but without the second H.
1: Now do you spell Hanukkah with a C H or an H?
3: I do now. You spell hard with a C-H. I used to spell it I would spell it a different way no matter Every who time. I was writing to because that was part of the fun of it but I feel like now that holidays exists I'm committed to spelling it with a ch.
1: You should know the official spelling of Hanukkah for the JewishBoston.com podcast is com K K A H. I'm just saying. I'm sorry.
3: I'm going to have to wrap
2: up this podcast. <laughs> experience right now. We're going to spend the next however many minutes discussing convincing you not to do that.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. We're in America now. We're getting rid of the CH. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, so I'm also in an interfaith relationship and I'm also Mosel? from a, thank you. I'm also from a place that doesn't have a lot of Jews. Mm-hmm. So anytime my in-laws try to buy me a card, it's always kind of funny. Like, they they have to go to, like, one grocery store in the in the vicinity of where most Jews live in mm. Tulsa, Oklahoma, to find said card. <laughs> um, so when Jewish Boston did their um, high holiday and Hanukkah cards, like, it was, they were so happy to have this opportunity because mm. you don't want to offend family members or friends, but you don't really know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So...
3: Definitely. And I think one of the things that has come out for me and I want to be explicit about now is that I developed the cards not just for people like you and me to send, but also to receive. So developing language that says these cards are for interfaith families, interfaith couples and the people who love them, because I think that is is a pretty common experience that your your in-laws or your boyfriend or girlfriend's parents want to send you something nice but they're Christian and you're Jewish and you know maybe they see a Hanukkah card and they don't know what kind of Hanukkah card you might want do you want funny do you want serious and so these I think really open it up to help folks feel more comfortable that's awesome
1: do you have a like a a Christmas trigger I have a Christmas trigger I get I get all up in a tizzy about Christmas trees yeah we did like I I just I can't there's something about me like that's like the line for me. Mm. It's a Christmas tree, but, a and, like, tree. or well, like yeah, like the like ha- ha- having a tree in our apartment. Like, yeah, I just, I, that that that'd be a step too far for me. Also, the color is green and red in combination, mm. and something teeters <laughs> it left or right, depending. I'm weird, but
3: yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because. Uh, you know, podcasts are hip and cool and so are our listeners to this podcast. So I'll say something <laughs> that I'm not going to keep in my elevator pitch for a wider audience, but I call myself a religious mutt. Um, and I mean that with no disrespect, but why would I? Cause mutts are the best, um, whether you're talking about dogs or people. Um, but I come from yes. a, a home with a Jewish father and a Christian mother, both of whom were pretty non-religious by the time I came around. And I I grew up with a Christmas tree and I have family ornaments more than my Catholic soon to be husband. Uh, So it's funny that you say that because I often feel like I got to keep that on the DL that I'm a Jew who loves, not only loves Christmas trees, which I think is pretty common, but is happy to have one in my home. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if
1: anything, the experience has taught me to be a lot more understanding of other, other people's. No, I don't know how to phrase properly, are, but.
3: like, what's a trigger and what's not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, like, understanding that... How people celebrate differently. Yeah, just because, it, just because it bothers me. Like, that's that's mm. not the goal of something. And if someone gets joy out of it, like, that's what I should be paying attention to and not my own weird neuroses. So, <laughs> it's only taken 15 years for that one. But.
0: Do you see... Um, now this this present tense experience is wrapping up in a little bit and I'm gonna ask you the same question, Julie, so get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you see this all moving forward? So now like you've done this 10 month fellowship and obviously we want to see the continuation and success of Happy Holidays because it's such a fabulous idea And the cards. If anyone hasn't seen them, check them out because they're gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. But where do you see this going? Like, do you sell them online? Do you
3: have them in stores?
1: Where can people, where can listeners find these? Oh, well,
3: interesting (laughs) you should ask. Um, So we have three different methods by which we sell our cards. We do sell on Etsy and our website directs to our Etsy shop, but it's just happyholidays.com. Um and we also sell in a few local stores mostly Somerville, Cambridge and Boston. Though we have been in a few stores in Los Angeles, but that's only cuz my parents live there and I happen to be out there uh, during our first year. That's uh, awesome. Which is ridiculous but we can now say we're bicoastal. Um and we sell wholesale um so online wholesale and at holiday fairs. So I I hustle hard uh in like November it. and December. And I definitely intend to keep the business alive. Uh, the fellowship has helped me ask questions like, do I want to scale this to a larger degree? Do I want to start doing production on a larger scale? I print all of the cards in my home. It's Thankfully, it's, it's a lot of work. Thankfully, I now have an office, whereas but when I started it, I was in a different apartment. I printed them in a corner of my bedroom. <laughs> um, but I am asking questions that and, and ha- finding answers to those questions that I never would have been able to feel comfortable you know sorting out. So I have a coach and a mentor. They're both fantastic uh, in helping me think about if I wanted to scale, what would that look like? What would the trajectory of that scale be so you don't go from selling you know 200 cards in a holiday season to selling two million? There's something in between there. And I absolutely plan on continuing it and actually, We had our second holiday season this in December 2015, and that was about on par, maybe a little less popular than the first year, and I think a lot of it has to do with how much Hanukkah and Christmas overlap, Mm -hmm. and this upcoming year, 2016, is going to be the year for Happy Holidays because Hanukkah and Christmas, bam, 100% overlap, they are like Right on the on. same day. <laughs> it is like a sandwich, a Hanukkah uh, Christmas sandwich. So I think this upcoming year is a good one. Now that I have my sea legs with the fellowship. yeah,
0: that's awesome. It's really incredible to see. I'm excited to see the future success. You. Yes, thanks. Um, and then Julie, with your your next generosity, and um, so you've developed this app. It's in beta mode. I'm you're like testing it out. And what's kind of like what's the plan?
2: Yeah. Um, so I should mention that for the first. Um, part of the of the fellowship we were really encouraged to iterate and and create um, various prototypes throughout the year um, our fellowship as Harris may have said is based on design thinking um, and so the idea behind design thinking is that you're constantly evolving and you're never in one fixed state um, so what I did for the first year part of the fellowship was to have a blog that was original content um, written for millennials by myself and a couple of my friends who work in fundraising and are very very familiar with the subject matter. And the idea behind that was that we really didn't see resources that were available to millennials about giving. If you were a fundraiser, there was plenty of research out there from a couple of different organizations that are really leading the field in that about how to engage millennials and your mission But if you are a millennial who has no idea about giving or is interested in giving and wants to learn more about a particular subject, there weren't really resources that were available to you. Um, So my initial thought was, all right, create a blog, see how that goes. But my intention was always to create some kind of mobile or web app. Um, And so I have a working prototype. At this moment that is like a live mock-up and I'm getting Very a lot of cool feedback. Um, my brother is much smarter and cooler than me and helped me figure that out. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful app. It's, it's really My well brothers designed. are the Thank best you. for helping out. Yeah, my brother's the best because I don't have to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he actually really likes this stuff. So that so that's kinda cool. Um, and he's he's a lot smarter about how the functionality would actually be. Um, and so the the app uh, hopefully will, will go on to actually be built. The idea is to get funding to build it. And uh, I don't know from there. I really don't. I'm on some level... All you know
3: is you will be iterating.
2: I will be iterating as we go. But I do, I do, you know, part of me, I think there is, there is a a value to having a vision um, to what you want. But I'm also kind of punching in the dark a little bit because I think as much as I see a need for it, it's also not the kind of app that most people will use every day. So it's hard to measure the value of it. Um, Do you see the strongest users for this
0: app being young adults who are already giving and, like, this can be a giving platform for them so that they can kind of – they track their giving, correct? Correct, so yeah. So not necessarily fundraisers themselves using it, but I guess they can use it for their own giving purposes. But right. But also just, like – me and my friends, who we donate to multiple organizations, like where would we track our donations and kind of
2: right? F- yeah, exactly. Cool. And I and I think also the app it does not explicitly say for millennials. Right. So course. I think if you if you are the kind of person, I, I can't imagine like a seventy five year old using it, obviously. But, but if they want to more power if to them. But they want to, then like. Good on you, man um, or woman. But you know, I don't or whatever or whatever or whatever. Um, We're not
3: binary. Yeah. No, we
2: really aren't. Um, but you know, the 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 app is really hopefully going to be targeted toward millennials. And um, the other piece of the app that I would love that's kind of a pipe dream at this point is to eventually have it be able to have a function where you can Venmo or, or PayPal a donation directly to an organization. So I don't That's incredible. Yeah. So I don't really know how that works um, in terms of how expensive it is to build that into the app and and if that's really something that can come later. Um, yeah. And I also don't know if organizations are in a position to support that technology yeah. yet. I think that's something that you might have to work on in tandem with other yeah. organizations, but I, I
1: feel like yeah. that's
2: coming. I feel like that yeah. is definitely I,
0: the next up. One of
1: my past jobs was I was, I was working for a, uh, a Jewish website called jchoice.org, which was a social networking platform for uh, How did nonprofits. I not know
0: this about you, aka dating or no, no, like right. so. So it,
1: it connected it connected organizations with people interested in what those organizations were doing. Oh, cool. Wow. So, like, it was four organizations that, like, didn't necessarily have a budget for development. And so, like, someone who cared about animals could find.
3: Hmm. Uh, Interesting.
1: And I remember that the money, we had to send them checks, the organization checks, because no... At the time, this was, you know, five years ago, there wasn't, a, there wasn't an easy way to transfer money from one place to another. Mm-hmm. So that might still be an issue, because, I mean... I don't even know if, like, CJP takes PayPal, but maybe they do.
2: I think they Um, do. But, I mean, you know, even really what I think is an important thing to take out of that is that a lot of no organization is created equal and, and that it's difficult to speak for all organizations when you say, okay, well, yeah, you can Venmo to them. Like, my organization could probably handle that in another year, the one that I work for right now, but... There's probably a lot smaller organizations that don't have the technology in yeah. their databases. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people's databases are, are Excel documents, so you never know. Right. Um. And like,
1: even if they have a database, it doesn't mean it's a good one. So yeah. as I've learned in uh, my former life in development. Um, I have a question. <laughs> So I, I have a question I would like to talk, talk, talk about, in quotes, millennials here for a couple of minutes. Sure. Because um, I think the age breakout in this room is kind of interesting because I think you two, I'm pointing at Jen and Julie here, are both still in their 20s, and I think yeah. we are in our 30s. And I have an issue with. Way to
3: out, Lexi. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, jeez. I have no shame about my age. (laughs)
1: I'm 32 think, years young.
3: I like it. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm the oldest person in this room. Okay. Barely. Now you have to um, tell me how old you are. I am 35. We just
2: had a birthday.
0: Oh, Everybody say birthday. happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday. I feel Thank like
2: 35 you. is like a rockin' age. Uh, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm fine with it. It's just when I'm working with Jen all the time, I'm like, I was Jen's doing, like 12. Yeah, I was doing nothing. Approximately, yeah. I, I was doing things I can't speak about on this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> so I have an issue with being called a millennial because I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't see myself that mm. way. Mm. I because I'm, I'm a vet. you're
3: just a millennial. Are though, you 82? 81, 81. 81.
1: 81. 81. may have eighty one? Because
3: it's eighty to two thousand. Yeah, right? and yeah. I just
1: I just don't get the eighty to the eighty to eighty two part of that being counted kind of as a millennial. Because like mm. I mean, I don't know. I just I the people who are three to five years younger than me view the world a lot differently. Yeah, than Yeah, and I
3: think that there's there was a really interesting New Yorker article about Oberlin. It was about what 's happening around activism in campus colleges, but it, it focused on oberlin and i 'm not going to f- remember the terminology right, but he the author differentiated between us as the, the older folk millennials and then the younger folk millennials mm-hmm. and i I remember that the second the younger millennials what he was calling firebrand i don 't remember what he called the first, but here 's how mm-hmm. he differentiated them uh, generally and this obviously sweeping generalizations, but I have found it true for me and, and the breakdown between me and my friends who are different ages. Those of us that were a little bit older when 9-11 happened, so mm-hmm. we were, I was a senior in high school, you were probably two, one or two years into college. Yeah, I was a freshman in college. Yeah, and... No, uh, sophomore college. Yeah, and so the author talked about that may not be the exact reason, but that folks like us tend to be marrying younger than the people who are right ahead of us or behind us, uh, interested in security, so jobs that are are... You know, these people might be a little bit more risk averse. And then the younger end of the millennials are... Serious movers and shakers—they take themselves really seriously, perhaps sometimes too seriously—but <laughs> um, are really interested in change. And they're folks that are, let's say, staying at jobs one to two years versus three to six. Interesting. And, and I so found that really useful because mm. I don't—I also don't think of myself as a millennial. But that distinction made me feel more comfortable grabbing onto that millennial title mm. because I think what we can probably all say is that we're a lot more comfortable with technology than folks who are a yeah. little bit older than us. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I would thought the break was like I remember when the internet arrived like I remember a time pre-internet and I feel like that defines my my worldview a lot differently than does someone who grew up in it always existing
2: I don't I don't know if I remember a time pre-internet I remember pre-internet sort of I remember
3: I remember like computers do you remember remember when you could walk up to the gate and welcome people when they came off a plane
2: Yes. Yes. I also. I mean, think about it. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how old are you? I'm 26. Okay, so we're like almost we're a year apart. Yes. Um, I mean, I personally think of millennials not in terms of the years that you were born, but that you came of age in the millennium, and I think 9/11 is obviously the, the defining factor here. I was 11 when 9/11 happened. So I,
1: I, I believe it's referred to as the millennium. For
3: <laughs> the, our listeners.
2: Oh, uh, millennium. Yes. Oh. Yeah, and we're going to party like it's 19. <laughs> Hold up, it is. <laughs> you can keep that in there if yeah, you'd okay. like. <laughs> I
1: will, that was good. Sorry, continue. Um,
2: no, so I I, I understand what, where you're coming from on that. I just don't really think of it as year to year. I think it's more of a coming of age in the millennium with technology. Being native technologists is, I think, a big piece of why giving is changing and why the, organ- the nonprofit world has had to adapt with such speed, um because mm-hmm. we grew up with information at our fingertips. And also I think um maybe less so for um you and Lexi because you guys didn't grow up with social media as much in your high school and college years, but I rem- I've i had Facebook since I was a junior in high school. Same. Um, so I've always... Jeez, i always
3: so glad it wasn't around when I was in high <laughs> school. Yeah. And
0: yeah. I, prom I, I, pictures are still up. Prom pictures, <laughs> my
2: dress was interesting. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think, but to your point, I say that now about Instagram and Snapchat. Like, thank God I did not have those in college. I would have been so messed up, you know? Right. But I think with with all of that in mind, we are more comfortable with sharing and with um and with with giving information away. And so that's why I think also that's why I've became so fascinated with giving in general because it's it's less about it's less of an act to us, I think, and more of a um inherent tendency. I right. guess yeah. – I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, like, um, I give away information all the time. I'm using right. give on purpose instead of share, but, I mean, it's the same thing. I think it's the, it comes from the same place for millennials in a way that it, it it's going to be easier for us to give away and more regularly, in my personal yeah. opinion. Well, you give small
0: amounts. Like, yeah. I feel like millennials are – giving information here, giving information there, just as they would be with their donations. They're yep. giving yeah. a donation here, a donation there, because they care a lot of, about a lot of mul- like causes. So they want mm-hmm. to make sure that they're spreading their giving as much as possible. And I think here's a fun, app like,
1: yeah. lets you here's and a f- really. Here's a fun, fun. test. Like, do you get Snapchat? I don't get it.
3: Who are you pointing to, when I'm, you point do that? to le- I'm pointing to Lexi le- here. <laughs> the other old person. I do not get... I, I neither have Snapchat, nor do I understand Snapchat. I've tried it. I do not it. I have also it. tried it, and I thought... This is preposterous. You guys, well, for the for the record, I, I do not.
2: For the record, I do not understand Snapchat either, and I consider myself to be an excellent Instagram user. Oh, like uh, too. Too. So <laughs> you're not the only one in the room.
0: My mom has Snapchat. And she oh. she gets it sort of. Sometimes I get funny Snapchat. That makes it's me sad.
1: I'm, I'm, still a on, I'm still a holdout on Google Plus, but I'm the only one. So.
2: <laughs> well, oh, back bless to your, your heart. <laughs> back to your other point, though, Jen, about um, about giving away smaller amounts. That's actually a, statist- a statistical data point that I was going to
1: ask. What, what did you learn about millennial giving? Yeah. Millennium giving? I don't know that word. millennial giving. W- millennials. 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 millennials giving.
2: Yeah. Um millennials actually care more about causes than actual organizations. So they're less interested in the organization itself and more interested in what what's being impacted by their donation. Um and then they're also um, more likely to spread smaller donation increments across multiple organizations, as opposed to cutting a one thousand dollar check, um, or which none of us necessarily have right now. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like
3: um, also, th- uh, th- th- I give away a thousand dollars every day.
1: Also, but I- yeah, <laughs> but the, the only check I write, yeah, the only check write is, for, is for my rent. Like, right,
2: but uh, but I do think actually that that is something that nonprofits need to possibly be prepared for is that may embrace, be, yeah. major gifts may not be defined the same way when mm-hmm. when we come of age and are able to to give more money away i think um we might actually enjoy spreading across multiple as opposed to having one or two things that we just like carry a torch for right
1: i, I think i'm biased because i've worked in the jewish nonprofit world for so long but i'm 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 kind of hoping to, if we go back to like this more central source thing that then gives money out to lots of different things because <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. been it's been turning in one direction. And I'm wondering if it's going to start turning back to the other. Cause, mm, if, swing I was, on the
3: other side. I, of the I, was, I, was, yeah. I was
1: just having this conversation with someone about how this generation of both uh, nonprofit professionals and givers understand that things cost money, like salaries cost overhead, money, and yeah, yeah and overhead yeah. costs money. And there used to be a thing where people didn't want to spend a lot mm-hmm. on overhead because the, then they'd have to mm-hmm. show that they did that. But I think people are starting to realize. To do something right, you have to hire the right people and give them the right equipment, and I think that's coming coming around too. That's
2: because we all had to be unpaid interns. Yes. That's true, but I think... I, I honestly think that's probably yeah, why we understand that.
3: I do think that because of the presence of technology and, and digital communities that folks are now less likely to give for space for buildings Mm -hmm. so I work at Harvard and there's a lot of conversation around how people are much more interested in giving money for programs which is both the people that are attending but the staff that support the programs much more interested in doing that than fixing up a beautiful old Harvard building that if we don't fix it we're not going to be able to use it in the next you know, right. 50 years.
2: That's funny because I work for a historic landmark um, called the Wang Theater. And
1: uh, and they cannot change that name. It, so. No, we
2: cannot change that name, nor do we want to. But more importantly, one half of our mission is, is education-related and one half is preserving a historic landmark. And right. because of its landmark status, I think we have more buy-in in that in that way. But I actually think because... It's a beautiful and uh, gorgeous, and just yeah. <laughs> beyond beyond beautiful, and sort of from a different time. I mean, you just don't see buildings like that anymore. They're not really efficient, obviously, but it's you just don't ever see the right. detail that's in that. So I think some people actually, I've had donors say, "I don't want to give to ed- education. That's I want so to give to the building." Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, all and shifting. Yeah. Jew, I mean, and Jew, I feel like Jews especially have a very interesting history with buildings and naming buildings, mm. and mm. That, that seemed to be a very important thing for a certain generation and i'm curious to see what happens Mm. after
2: that Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be important to us too i really do i think i i think as much as technology is is uh making the world more whatever um you know less physical people are gonna want at the end of the day a brick that says their name on it i just think we're gonna get tired of it when our kids start being able to use computer chips in their brains, but then it may be something. <laughs> you know, but God, then it may be something better. like uh, <laughs> yeah. it may be something yeah. like a
3: foundation rather than a space, right? right? Yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like. But they the want Ju- something concrete. Yeah, like. like. Well, I guess that, that's my question. Do they want something that's literally filled with concrete, like a building, or, or do they want something right. substantive, like the Julie Judson School of Dance for underprivileged kids, where yes. your ki- <laughs> your kids would see folks who are getting scholarships from there, this and the other, and it wouldn't necessarily need to be, oh, well, this is the building of the Julie Judson School of Dance. Right, right. I think there's a lot of very cool
0: futures in line with all of like how millennials are giving and where we can all go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, So the two of you have this fellowship wrapping up shortly, and um, when is your showcase? Oh, I'm so I'm glad tell us has. a little bit about it? And so when people
3: can come yes. and see what all of your hard so, work is? Absolutely. So let us start by saying it is Monday, June 27th. I know it's a poppin' day of the week to get out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know none of you all have anything to do. Be there. I Monday, will be, the, Monday, I will be there. Monday, June 27th. So. I'll be there. Awesome. <laughs> um, it is in Hatch Fenway, which is a really neat. Uh,
1: yeah, I have no idea what that is. It's, there are is. such swings. a cool venue. All Julie wants there's you to know is that there are swings. 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 I love swings. And I went t- on the site visit. And trampolines. When we
0: were picking out the space, and I was like, yes, this is happening.
1: It's a
3: super cool <laughs> incubator space, and they have sw- swings that are big enough for adults to sit in and not feel uncomfortable. Um, and, there and it's will not be, on a playground, so there's no confusion, confusion per- about why you're there. The yeah, um,
1: so, so, so men can go there and feel comfortable swinging, <laughs> yeah. worrying people who think they're, taking they're weird. Taking the certain photos.
3: Yes. And it. It's going to be a really neat experience to network with the fellows also just network with other people. I think that this event will be great not only for those of us that are fellows but also for the attendees because mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of people in the room who care about a lot of different things who are innovative and interesting and have a lot of ideas and and want to make connections and we'll feed you a little nosh we'll give you a little alcohol it's it's totally free they they ask that you pre-register it's Right in Fenway, and thankfully there is not a game going on, so it will be Correct. relatively easy to get there.
2: And um, they're not here today, but we have five other f- other fellows in our program with us, I believe.
1: Um, they're actually standing silently against the wall. <laughs> <all> the <room. laughs> they're
2: just, they're just, but so, they're not as interesting as they showcase their work too. But I think actually they are. What I've been, what I've taken from the fellowship is how um, passionate everybody is about their their different. Ventures And it's been really fun to work with people who, as Lexi said earlier, like it's a comfortable environment where we can all sort of bounce ideas off of each other and um, and grow from that. But even more so, I, I can say just objectively that I think everybody's ventures are really interesting and are hitting on a lot of important social...
3: Oh, yeah, let's try to do that. Okay, let's, let's do a, a quick... Let's do a little yeah, quickie. Okay, okay. so... Uh, one of the other fellows, Rabbi Getzel Davis, is he's a, a rabbi at Harvard. He has started unorthodox celebrations, which matches people to clergy for life cycle events like weddings, uh, baby namings, bris, yada. Okay. That's one. Time.
2: That's one. Um, Breanne Mahoney is doing a conversation cards is what she's calling them called Share and Tell, and it's for – um it was born also she's also in an interfaith relationship and I believe from an interfaith household and she is interested in making conversations easier for couples as they get prepared to make their life together. Um so it's everything from like uh, you know, what's your favorite book to where do you think we should get married? Like just like <laughs> things that like you know, you might need to talk about if you come from two different faiths or anything like right. that. So that's another one. That's okay.
3: Two. Number three is Naor, which is a Jewish learning online. Education classroom. Yes. And th- there are actually two fellows. They're adorable. They have just the cutest bromance. They're such they've bros. they best friends <laughs> since they were at... Gann Academy. Gann Academy <laughs> here in Boston. Uh, and they have a lot of experience with online education and they've already launched uh, a, a, a course that was sort of their beta and they have you can learn about Jewish law, Jewish gangster gangsters, Jewish food. That's uh, cool. And, and they're very cool. I've there been to a, them a civil, couple times. a civil they're, rights mm-hmm. Jewish civil rights Want to share their names? Well. Oh, Mark and Andy. There you
2: go. And then... um, Shout out to Mark and Andy. (laughs) What up? What up? (laughs) Okay, that's four of the fellows. (laughs) And then um, uh, Ben Elgart is doing a really fascinating project. He is interested in millennials with disabilities, um, namely autism, because disabilities runs a pretty large spectrum. Um, But he is interested mostly in starting with um, millennials with autism and helping them in... Connect socially with each other and with people in their community, and so he's created an app as well um, called BuddyBot, and it's a messaging service for millennials with autism, and it prompts them with all sorts of uh, messages that they can share with their community, and and it's not just with other millennials with autism, but with like their mom or their uncle or their friends. And his warmth and and um, kindness and patience is like so great, and just shows through with a subject that's. Very complicated, I think. Yeah. (coughs) Than your two ventures, and that is... That's That's the whole part. That's That's seven, seven. yeah. Andy and Mark are are, are a team, but they're, yeah. So
0: you can all come check out these fabulous Present Tense Fellows and see all their hard work come together um, and get to pick their brains and ask a million more questions. They're ready for it. They've been prepped. So ready. (laughs) So ready for all of the questions. Coming hot. We got answers for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think it'll be an incredible day at the the Social Innovation Showcase. It's always hard for me to say. June 27th. (laughs) June 27th, 7 p.m.?
2: Yep. Uh, is 6 it at 7 PM? PM? Yeah, six p.m. I think
0: PM. it's at seven. No 7 PM. PM. Or seven thirty. I'm telling always... you it's at seven. Okay. You can Listen, look up the
1: information at the C T P never does filming at six PM. No.
2: And also definitely pre register because <laughs> yes. we are expecting a large turnout. I think I heard today we're over a hundred guests yes. registered yeah. so far. And as so. we mentioned
3: it's free, so all you gotta do is sign as as Julia said, give a little bit of your information and sign up. <laughs> there but you um go. Sh- um, Well,
0: thank (laughs) you for being here with us today. Thanks for having
1: us. Bye. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening to episode eight of the JewishBoston.com podcast. We want to thank first uh, Lexi and Julie for joining us. We want to thank Sean Fogel for the amazing music. I want to thank Jen for always helping me co-host this. And of course, I want to thank... Combine Jewish Philanthropies and JewishBoston.com. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or on whatever podcasting app you may use. All it's, of the podcasting yeah, apps. Yeah, SoundCloud, <laughs> whatever. Um, please leave us a, a, a rating on iTunes because that's how new people will find us. And, um, you know, if you want to have a conversation with us, please email us at podcast at JewishBoston.com or tweet us at
0: JewishBoston.com. Oh, that, that's not a tweet. There, there, you there's, can't there's tweet no, it at a .com. No, you
1: cannot tweet it at a .com. <laughs> but on that note have a uh, have a great day everybody
0: have a great day.